0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Village Chestnut Tree. I'm your host, Emmett Hoops. I'll be with you for the next 10 to 15 minutes talking about the American chestnut tree and possibly other trees in trouble. The uh, thing that uh, is interesting me right now is the change in the air. Of course, if you're in uh, northern New York or New England this uh, October of 2021, we're astonished by how warm it is. Um, That probably isn't true all over the chestnut growing area, but uh, we have meetings coming up and we have people going out and finding the chestnuts that they know grow in the woods and seeing if there are any nuts left over from what the bears and uh, the turkeys and the deer and the squirrels and the chipmunks and the other wildlife that make use of the chestnut, whatever they have left behind... We can pick up and throw into pots and uh, add to the growing genetic diversity of the uh, future crop of uh, American chestnuts. Anyway, I wanted to point out uh, some of the news that, it's news to me, but uh, it's about a year old. This is from the Massachusetts and Rhode Island chapters of the American Chestnut Foundation. Uh, newly discovered, a native bee that depends on chestnuts, how saving chestnuts saves other species. They had a speaker from the USGS and, uh, spoke about, uh, this Adrena rainy and other insect pollinators of chestnuts. The, uh, orchards, the chestnut orchards in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Um, may begin to host populations of this bee and others and understanding the relationship of chestnuts to these insects might help the restoration of the chestnut and the pollinators. Isn't that neat? Anyhow, the next up is from Pennsylvania. A lot going on in Pennsylvania. The uh, their Their board of directors has decided to postpone their in-person meeting that they had planned for the fall due to concerns over COVID and variants, and instead they're holding a shortened Zoom meeting on November 6th that's focused on the American chestnut and restoration efforts. Sarah Fitzsimmons, director of restoration, and Stephen Hoy, orchard manager at Penn State, will make short presentations with plenty of opportunities for new and experienced growers to connect, ask questions, and share experiences. So that is Saturday, November 6th for Pennsylvania, from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. and uh, you can contact mail at patcf.org that's mail at patacf.org if you want more information that's uh, for Pennsylvania. In Ohio, uh, get your computers all fired up because they have grant applications of up to $1,000 for any project or plan furthering the American chestnut by planting, education, or another matter. The grants are available to any people or organizations who would be interested in doing a project with chestnuts. For more information, you want to contact someone in the Ohio chapter And uh, that's due October 30th, so you have a couple, uh, two and a half weeks, I guess, to get that in the mail. Um, How do you contact the board members? Well, you go online to acf.org and you go look for the chapter uh, for Ohio, and uh, all the information you need is there. That's kind of exciting. Uh, Vermont and New Hampshire. On August 24, 25, the Maine Chapter VP and the Vermont, New Hampshire Chapter President once again combined efforts to move American chestnut restoration forward. They checked the condition of hundreds of chestnut flowers at Cape Elizabeth, Maine that they had pollinated earlier with transgenic pollen. This was one more important step in the transgenic chestnut experiment underway at the University of New England through Dr. Clack's leadership. And his work is closely coordinated with the College of Forestry and Environmental Science at SUNY Syracuse where the transgenic chestnut was developed. Now when these pollinated nuts mature they'll be harvested and each one painstakingly analyzed to determine which ones have inherited the transgenic trees, uh, the transgenic trees oxidase enzyme that will allow the next generation to tolerate chestnut blight. About half the nuts typically inherit the gene. And uh, all TACF chapters are actively locating nut-producing wild American chestnuts and planting their nuts in conservation orchards. Cheese th- trees that are <laughs> trees that are grown from these nuts will be pollinated with transgenic pollen once it is approved for distribution by federal agencies. So, pollinating and harvesting hundreds of chestnuts is difficult and labor-intensive work. So everyone's uh, work there for Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire is greatly appreciated. West Virginia. In uh, West Virginia, members of that chapter gathered on the 13th of March at West Virginia University Greenhouse to pot up about 900 nuts. The volunteers worked in groups of four and the task was accomplished in about three hours. And they're appreciative uh, for all the help that they got potting some chestnuts what I consider the heartland of the American chestnut there West Virginia. And in Virginia, the Virginia chapter of the American Chestnut Foundation is having its annual membership meeting on October 23rd, 2021. The uh, general membership for the Virginia chapter is going to be held 1 to 3 p.m. at the Rockfish Valley Community Center at 190 Rockfish School Lane, Afton, Virginia. It's open and to the public, and also via Zoom. The guest speaker will be Sarah Fitzsimmons, the Director of Restoration for the American Chestnut Foundation, and her presentation will be called The Role of the Virginia Chapter in the Science of the American Chestnut Rescue, Reintroduction, and Restoration. Now, the Virginia Chapter offers a monthly PowerPoint presentation on Zoom covering the history of the American Chestnut the blight and the efforts to restore it. It's about 45 minutes long. Their next presentation is October 20th at 7.30 p.m. Let them know if you'd like an invitation to the Zoom meeting and uh, their regular schedule for the next three meetings is October 20th, November 17th, and December 15th, all in 2021. And how do you find information on the Virginia chapter while you go online and look up acf.org and get all the information that you need from the Virginia chapter right there, and that'll let you know when those Zoom meetings are. Now, last um, in this podcast, and absolutely not least, I just want to mention the passing of a good friend of mine. I only got to know Sherratt Chase through my association with the American Chestnut Foundation's New York chapter. The difference in age was about 40 years. Now, Sherratt was an amazing person. He was a professor at various universities. He was one of the driving forces behind the Green Revolution of the 1940s and 50s. Um, And he was passionately interested in the restoration of the American chestnut through transgenic means because he had been working with genetically modified materials when he was working with corn back in the uh, in the forties and i remember him trying to tell me it was haploid not diploid and i'm thinking uh, you're already over my head i'm not (laughs) oh no 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 let me explain to you here's what a haploid is here was here's what a diploid is well i've come so far i can remember the word haploid too much else. Sherratt was a boy scout from 1931 to 1935, I mean he was a competitive fencer, he won against the first year West Point team and I, I will never forget him telling me about the summer of 1933 when he traveled to Germany and Austria with his experiment in international living. That's what that was called. Um, These days it's just, you know, exchange student. But, uh, Sherritt told me that he saw as a young man the coming of fascism in Germany and gradually he did not feel like he was a welcome there. I remember him telling me that a friend related to him how he was on a train and all of a sudden everyone on the train revealed that they were wearing armbands for the Nazi party. And he said it was as if I was suddenly transported into an alien world and I didn't know anyone anymore. And uh, a friend that he had made over there, I forget the fellow's name, but um, he was good friends with him in 1933 and the next time that Sherratt saw him was in a Prisoner of War line in uh, sometime in the mid-40s because Sherratt was in the European theater and they recognized each other but they didn't speak to each other and that was one thing Sherret, um told me, it just, they seemed, it seemed like what, what once was a friendship was now divided um, and irreparable. And he, it was an amazing thing to talk to someone who had witnessed history like that. But to have him involved with us for such a long time in the, uh, the the effort to bring back the American chestnut. It's, uh, it was, it was really an honor to know him. And, uh, I hope that, uh, you meet someone like Sherrit Chase in your life. Anyway, that's about it for me today. Um, I hope that the weather gets a little cooler here because it doesn't feel like fall yet, but, uh, you know, some people are basking in the warmth of a 72 degree October (laughs) afternoon and I should probably go join them. Well, anyway, uh, always be like a tree and keep looking up.
1: Underneath the spreading chestnut tree, I loved him and he loved me. There I used to sit up on his knee. Need the spreading chestnut tree. There beneath the boughs we used to meet. All his kisses were so sweet. All the little birdies were So sweet, all the little.